Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, you know what to do. You're grown. You know who's right. 19, 16, I I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 30 of the College Loop Podcast, and we are about 30 minutes past the uh, Auburn-Alabama basketball game where Auburn lost 90-85, to and I got to be honest, we had to a little bit of breathing room had to be given for the both of us because uh, we usually recorded right after the game. Tonight was not that because Auburn lost in overtime. A lot of things to say about this game. Yeah, it's 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 where do you start, Dylan? And it, let, let's 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 start with the with the positives, I guess. You you held you held the the, the key factor. You held Brandon Miller uh, largely at at, at bay. He only dropped what? What was it? I'm looking in front of me. Uh, Seventeen. We said if you can hold him under twenty, you're going to be in good shape. Now the problem is there's absolutely no way we we could have looked into a crystal ball and seen Javon Quinterly going for twenty four. That's uh, I mean that's that's going to kill you every time. But you you kept by by committee. You kept Brandon Miller at bay. We saw the same kind of same story, different chapter for Auburn against the against the Tide, uh, similar to what you saw at Auburn Arena or at Neville Arena rather earlier in the year where Auburn's there, they played 31, 32 minutes of really good basketball. Matter of fact, I, I don't remember if it was you or who I texted, but I think I texted someone and said Auburn played 31 one minutes of good basketball. Can they hold on for another nine? I think it was you. Well, I was there when we watched and, the game together. So <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, just now. Oh yeah. This, 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 this game we just watched. And uh, Brandon Miller thing. I mean, he's only, he says 17, but 10 of those came from the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, and, and they, the perimeter defense was good. Uh, you got 21 points from KD Johnson, a guy we talked about. If you're going to win, you have to play perfect. Auburn played so far from it and still could have won the game. But we mentioned that you're going to need kind of some surprise help, and KD Johnson was it. You get Janai Broom in early foul trouble. You can say what you want about that foul on what, what should have been probably Javon Quinterly. But also, you're already in foul trouble, man. I mean, you're just you're playing sloppy basketball. Dylan Cardwell gets in foul trouble. Uh, at one point, you had in overtime, you have Leor Berman playing the four. And in meaningful minutes, and, and and there's really not much you can do. But you have Janai go only goes for ten, so he's got a pretty quiet night. Jalen Williams has a nice little fifteen point game. Alan Flanagan, I thought played remarkably well, shot seventeen. Wendell Green was quiet yet again. It feels like he's just fading and fading and fading. You get uh, I guess a, a three points from from Chris Moore, seven from Trey Donaldson, who had a quietly good little night, and I couldn't figure out why he didn't get more minutes in overtime. Uh, Leor Berman had a had a huge three. 
an absolutely huge three at the at the end of that that first half. And 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 you know, you go toe to toe with the second, in in my opinion, the best team in the country, and you take them to overtime. I, I think I texted you when when that altercation broke out and there were multiple technicals assessed, uh, assessed, assessed excuse me, on, on Alabama. And, uh, and I said, you know, Auburn just lost this game. And, and I don't, I don't think that that was because it was Betty Ako correcting and Griffin. You know, I'm, 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 I, I knew Griffin for sure. Betty Ako. I mean, I mean, he, he, he gave you a solid, a solid, not, not points tonight, but interior presence. The, the door was open. Auburn just wound up, squandering it and let's not forget squandering a 17 point lead giving up a 16 nothing run to alabama in the second half you knew the run was coming you just want to know if auburn can stop the bleed and this team i think dylan not to sound like a broken record i think they just are who they are and i don't think there's any fixing them i thought bruce pearl coached 35 minutes of a very very damn near perfect basketball game and the other five minutes looked clueless. I'm not, and this is not me throwing shade at, at Bruce Pearl specifically because there's so many factors that go into that. And like I'll say it time and time again, he's the right guy for the job. He's a great coach. X's and O's wise, I don't know why that ball wasn't in Katie Johnson's hand at the end of the regulation. You take Alabama in overtime, you're going to lose. That's going to happen. I know you've got success in the past, but that's it's going to happen. There are a lot of head scratching moments here in, in a game that, quite frankly, Dylan Albert should have won. And yeah. you get swept by your in state rival. Um, a team that is really playing up the villain card for sure, because I, I don't I don't really like to show bias on this a lot, but it got to be the most unlikable team in college sports right now. And and then that's beyond the Auburn Alabama rivalry. I know I've got a piece of paper that says Auburn University on it that I work pretty hard to get. So you do with that as you will. Um, I'm, I'll go and say this before I let you say your piece. I'm sorry I rambled for a minute here, Dylan, but I feel like we got a lot to talk about. If one more bold individual comes at me on Twitter like like I had happened tonight uh, when I when I said what you want Von Quitterly did was was malicious but I don't know that it was grounds for a technical foul which I still stand by uh, I, I know that he, he it, it appears as he threw the ball at Janai's head so be it whatever part of it's a basketball play trying to make sure you get it off the other team if one if one more of you comes at me and says something about how I'm too harsh on Auburn or or, or uses some passive aggressive tone about how I am defending other schools and what whatnot. I want you to know that I sunshine pump more than most people. He does. And and this is not me taking a personal vendetta, Dylan. I really don't care. But I, I I do want it known. I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer here. I'm usually the last one to jump ship. And I'm still on the boat. I still think this team can make some noise going down the stretch. I actually got more confident in the Tennessee game tonight. After watching Auburn play tonight, I, I've got a tremendous amount of talent that I to the point where I may pick Tennessee to win this game. And I mean, excuse me, may, may pick Auburn to win that game over Tennessee. From that point forward, Dylan, I mean, chime in what you want on the Bama game. The, the floor is yours. I'm ready to talk a little Tennessee and 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 you got some news today that's probably going to play to Auburn's favor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to begin with this game. Auburn had a 15 point lead before. I can understand where it wasn't a foul on Javon Quir or Tech for throwing the ball at him. Okay, it, it does look like he threw the ball at him, but I'm not going to say it should have been a foul on Javon. Replay just, in hindsight, twenty twenty, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that it probably should have been. A, it should not have been a foul on Janai at all. Oh, agree, I, agree. And I mean, I it, as it happened, you know, everything the ten minute delay happened. 
and the two players got ejected. And I'm just there waiting for the to see what happens. And I see Javon Quinley go up to the free throw line, and I see Janai Broom walk off the court. And I'm like, how is that a foul? I don't get how it's a foul on Janai. I mean, I could, I, I was, the fan in me was like, it should have been on Javon, but watching it again, I'm like, okay, maybe not on Javon, but definitely should not have been on Janai, who just got thrown to the ground and then hit with a basketball. Uh, but I agree. I, positive from this game that I do see, Trey Donaldson putting up seven. I really like Trey Donaldson and his minutes. And I'm with you. I don't get why he wasn't involved more. Uh, another positive, I thought I thought Simo, I thought Chris Moore did very well on defense. I thought he did pretty well at slowing down Brandon Miller. And well, he only got, I think, uh, three fouls, which, I mean, it looked like they were just foul happy at some point in that game because Auburn did nothing right to the refs. I, I don't like doing that. I don't like call. I don't like calling out refs. I don't like doing it. I hate doing it. But a lot of those times, it did not look like it was. It, it was bad both ways. It was bad both ways. But there sometimes it mostly. I mean, twenty nine fouls on Auburn. I, there was a lot of times where I was like, I don't, I don't get a foul. I don't see it. I don't get it. Hey, and ultimately, Dylan, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad you included. It. I, I thought the officiating was pretty bad both ways. They let them play physical a lot in the first half. I didn't think it was all that bad. Second half got pretty atrocious. Welcome to the ref show. And and I do think there's an element. Uh, I'd love to get an SEC official on this podcast, and I'm not saying that to, to trash. I would love to talk. I really, I'm not. I mean, I'm not even saying to be critical. I would love to get inside the brains of referees in big moments like that in big games. You can say what you want about Auburn being unranked and Auburn being, you know, uh, down from their typical under Bruce Pearl. Huge game, huge implications for both sides. Auburn wins that game; they're clinch. And and personally, I still think it helps their RPI or their uh, BPI rather. I will say there's a lot of there's. I, I, watching the game, you don't think about the positives, but there are enough positives in the game where I'm like, Auburn could beat Tennessee. Oh, I'm I'm fully convinced. I, I like with shot the ball well in Coleman, sixty percent of the three point line. That's unheard of this season. Well, things fly better in the airplane hangar. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Auburn was in the right place at the right time when it came to shooting the three, uh, and the free the free throws again. I could see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Auburn should have shot a little bit better from the three from the free throw line. Out rebounded Alabama. It's a lot of positives going into the Tennessee game. Just uh yeah, that's I I don't disagree. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking a little aback there. Pat me down next time before you say something like that. But um <laughs> let's 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 talk a little bit of Tennessee. And and and, and let, let's preview this since we won't have another show before the game. Uh, which by the way, I didn't tell you before we got on the on this air. I did just buy your ticket. So I've got your ticket to the Tennessee game. Um, we'll be, we'll there. be there. Boots on the ground. If you're there, come say, hey, we're not kidding. Like, we're being sincere. We'd love we'll, to go. We'll roll timbers with you or we'll cry with you when we're there. That's right. Yeah, no. Um, we're both we're both pretty fun guys. I like to think we're fun guys to watch, watch the game with. We um, we can get – we ride the highs and the lows, but we also have some a lot of fun with it. Let's talk Tennessee. Who's going to be down to Kai Ziegler uh, on, on, on Saturday and, and just a really tough injury to watch. Uh, ACL, uh, you, you, you don't wish that on anyone. And, and he's a hell of a ball player. Um, Tennessee's obviously a, a dominant force, and he's a, he's a large part of that. Um, and he's fun to watch, man. He's just a competitor. Really, really do wish the best for him. But it does play to Auburn's favor in, in terms of a guard on guard. You got one less guy to, guy to think about. Uh, I mean, this guy Ziegler averages 10.7 a game. And, and this is not a really high-scoring team. If, if Auburn can, can kind of do what they did against Alabama tonight, I think that they could win this kind of comfortably. Uh, no, I don't think they will. I, 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 there's just an element of of Tennessee's just that good, but uh, Viscovi's going to be healthy. He, he'll he'll be able to pick up some slack, and he's averaging twelve point four games. So you've still got guard play there. Uh, your bigs. I mean, it's the, this this team is tall. This team's defensive. 
And they're kind of just, in my opinion, a better version of Auburn. And if Auburn was executing the way that probably Bruce Pearl had in mind, I, th- I think that these two teams would be pretty similar. And and I still think that they are, Dylan. I think their games are pretty complimentary. I think this game's winnable. I I, I, I actually like to pick Auburn in this game. I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested to see where your head's at. Yeah, I'm looking at it from perspective. I'm looking at the percentages that we talked about today on the Auburn Daily Show. Beating Tennessee puts you in the 90 percentile range of getting the March Madness. And, I mean, even if you lose the tournament game, it's 83.9. So this this game is huge. We saw Auburn play the night in a must-win scenario, and, and the must-wins have just been happening and happening and happening for this Auburn team. So this, uh, this game tonight was a must-win, but now it just increases to, you know, capitalize – all the letters and then it gets in the tournament and then it comes that, but yeah, I'm looking at it from the last game in uh, Knoxville where the game was low scoring, very defensive, very aggressive, very hands-on defense around that, that court. I remember we we talked about it after that game. Neither. This is another one of the Bama game, like a Bama game where we were just not happy after uh, when we had to record that game, but I'm looking at the Tennessee game. I'm just saying Auburn can just do what they did the night on offense. Just do what they sure. did on offense. Step up a little bit more in defense. Stay out of foul trouble for the love of God. And I just have I have a question. We talk about it a lot. He comes up a lot. We should have him on the show because we've talked about him so much. Is Johan no longer in the picture? Has he gotten the Chance Westry uh, procedure done? Where he took just... his shirt. He took his warm up shirt off earlier today. I saw that and I got happy because I was like, oh, we have a guy who's as tall as Brandon Miller is on the court. I don't know the the whole the whole story behind that, and and I've it's not from lack of asking, Dylan. You know, I've asked around and I've tried yeah, to figure that out, and, and I keep getting the same answers. I don't know. He's clearly not hurt. That's the, that's the thing that's getting me. He's not hurt because they were about to put him in if that game had gone to another overtime. Johan definitely probably would have played. But my thing is, why is Leor Berman playing the four against Brandon Miller when we have a guy who has Brandon Miller's frame and isn't as good as Brandon Miller because that's going to be harder to come by at all, but does have the potential to be the brand to be a Brandon Miller type player. I, sure. I, we talk about it in South Carolina. We talk about it after that game. He came in one game and he, he sucked in one game because he hadn't played in three weeks and then he just disappeared again. I, I just don't know if we're just trying to move it on to the next season with the, with like him a chance, but at some point you're just like, just got to put something in to see if it works, especially defensively. I think there is an element for Auburn that you're packing it in and, and, and getting those guys ready for yeah. 2024. Also, for those of you watching the, the video broadcast, I apologize. I keep scratching my nose. The pollen is really kicked up here in Macon, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, uh, my silver car is now a pollen yellow. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a rough go at it. And I've got my water here trying to stay hydrated. So if you if you see me mute myself and, and cough, I apologize. I'm, I'm trying to – I'm not sick. I <laughs> just get bodied by, by uh, pollen. Let's let's pivot to the uh, to the sorry, let me try this again. Let's pivot from the hardwood to the to the turf and, and talk a little bit uh, about football. Spring football is back underway. We talked about this on the Tuesday episode. NFL Combine, your favorite time of the year, has arrived. Yeah. Second favorite. You love the NFL draft too, but you're a big Combine guy. And uh, Auburn's got got a handful of guys that are going to be at the NFL Combine. Actually. I'm going to go and tease it now and show it at the top of the show. So maybe we need to edit this in later. I don't know. Probably not. We'll figure it out. But uh, have a great interview with former Auburn holder, Jackson McFadden, who talked to us a little bit about how busy Anders Carlson is at the, at the 
NFL combine, how excited he was for him. So that's a cool little, little teaser. Definitely make sure you want to listen to that. It should be about the 35 minute mark. That's usually how it shakes out uh, yeah. on, on the show sure. about the 35 minute mark. Make sure you listen to the inter- exclusive interview with Jackson McFadden right here on the college loop. <laughs> a lot of fun, really, really, really cool guy. And, uh, an Auburn man through and through. Let's talk a little bit of NFL Combine, and then we, we were going to just break down quickly. We're going to start position breakdowns with what should be the fastest, but also the longest running um, with the quarterback position. Dylan, just walk me through who all is going to be competing on Thursday, March 2nd, as this comes out at the NFL Combine. I'm not really going to cut you off. I'm just going to let you give us a quick rundown and then talk about the rest of the weekend. Yeah, you talk about how much I love the NFL draft. I've literally grown up watching the NFL draft. And by that, I literally mean I've grown up watching the draft because it's always on my birthday, honor around it. But yeah, tomorrow we start off with, uh, I believe it's defensive linemen and linebackers, which is going to be the heaviest Auburn day. So NFL Combine is going to be every day from Thursday, March 2nd to Sunday, March 5th. And Thursday and Friday, it's going to be 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central. And then Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. and 12 to 6 on Sunday. But yeah, tomorrow, you got Owen Papo, you got Aki Leota, you got Kobe Wooten and Derek Hall all competing, all trying to get their draft stock as high as they possibly can before Auburn Pro Day, which Pro Day is, Pro Day is a great chance for like those guys who don't get invited. But sure. if, you've, if you've already been to the Combine, I mean, it's kind of hard. You're just there for interviews and that right. kind of work. But I, but you got to watch it tomorrow. Owen Papo, I got to see how fast that dude is. I'm expecting a 4-4 four, four at the lowest. I know people people come at me sometimes for being a little bit of, a, of an Owen Papo uh, super fan. Yeah, that's fine. You can raise your <laughs> hand and, and say it's you. I do think Owen Papo of that of the of those four that are competing this afternoon, I think he's probably got the biggest mover in that group oh, just yeah. because of his athletic skill set. I don't get me wrong, I think all three, all four of these guys can really boost their draft stock, but I think Owen Papo is probably the biggest mover. I think all four of these guys are definitely in route to move up their draft stock because Echo Leota probably will be in the conversation for a round two guy if he didn't get hurt last season. So this is just big sure. for him just to show that. Uh Owen Papo uh is there to show how fast he is and i mean we talk about all the time could be a potential mover to uh safety uh just to, and colby wooden is that dude uh colby Wooden might be my favorite prospect in this draft but i love Derek hall but outside of like Derek hall it's colby wooden and Derek hall is him so he's just trying to make sure that everyone sees him as that first round prospect that he is but yeah, looking ahead to Friday, you got your defensive backs and special teamers. That's going to be your Andres Carlson. Auburn does not have a secondary member on this combine because DMI Pritchett and DJ James both both decided to return. Sorry if I'm speaking a little fast. DJ James, there we go. It came out a little, little flustered. Saturday, Auburn will not have anybody competing on Saturday, but it is probably the most interesting day of any NFL combine. It's the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. That's going to be where you're going to see your Bryce Youngs, your CJ Stroud, your Will Levis, your Anthony Richardson. So if you're an NFL fan like I am and your team is probably in need for a quarterback, uh, Saturday is going to be your best chance to watch one of those guys, especially because I don't think Will Levis is going to be a top 10 pick. But weird things have happened. And then lastly, Sunday, March 5th, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., you got your offensive linemen and your running backs where we're going to see Cartavius Tank Bigsby competing for his chance to raise up his stock. Tank Bigsby's kind of falling off a little bit in the running back rankings. Mel Kuyper doesn't have him in the top 10. Uh, and I think Tank Bigsby is going to be probably the most underrated prospect out of all six of these guys, really. Uh, I like Anders. Uh, I just think in the fluctuation of 
kickers. I don't think he's going to get drafted just because that's just what happens with special teamers. Uh, but he might, he's still going to get signed by a guy. I, I know he's going to get signed. Well, he and J Mac, as we're talking, we're going to talk about later, they're a package deal. So exactly. If he, and I, I know J Mac's probably hoping he goes to Nashville so he can move back to move back closer to home and to be the holder for the Titans. Hopefully they give him 84. <laughs> but combine's always fun for me. I love the combine. Nothing's better than getting my hopes up for a guy. And then all and then Carolina just not picking him up. Uh, I felt the same way whenever I saw Isaiah Simmons play in the combine. And you know, I wasn't too upset when we got Derek Brown. I'm sure you weren't. Let's let's keep talking about football for just a minute here and let, let's talk about the quarterback room. This is beginning our official college loop breakdown, position by position breakdown. And uh, we've kind of got a cool little plan that I think is a little bit fun, a little a uh, little bit fun and different than some some other outlets. And this one's going to be pretty, pretty typical from what, what you guys are accustomed to in the past. We're going to talk about the quarterback room, Robbie Ashford, Holden Jarner, CJ Finley and Hank Brown. And I think that really what I, what I want to discuss with here is, is we know it's, it's a, it's, a, it's a, an open battle. I, I think that we lean toward it being Robbie Ashford's job and then probably Jarner. And we assume Finley leaves with Hank Brown. How serious is Hank Brown uh, about jockeying for that second quarterback position, Dylan? And, and is there a road to, him surpassing Holden Jariner is QB two. I don't particularly think there is, but I think it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, you see a true freshman, you immediately think he's in a red shirt. But with what I see Hugh Freeze doing, he knows that he inherited not the best football uh, program around. Gotta be a little, be a little dead honest with that one. So Hugh Freeze is going into the spring with a mantra of everyone gets the same reps. Everyone's getting the same PT until you prove that you are better than everyone else. So this is a four-man race with what people don't understand. Is this Hank Brown is just as much in this as Robbie Ashford is, and TJ Finley is just as much in it as Holden Jariner is. And when I look at it, I I do think Robbie Ashford is the guy. Uh, but Hank Brown, I like his tape. Holden Jariner is more of the pro style. He's not much of a runner. Hank Brown can run. Uh, I'm just, I think if Hank Brown was to move to that number two spot, I don't see a future where TJ Finley and Holden Jarner on this roster by fall. Well, it's also important to remember, uh, Dylan, that, that Hank, Hank Brown, the baby goat, Hank is, uh, is not on campus yet at Auburn. He's not an early enrollee. So he's not slinging the, not slinging the rock in spring practice. And, uh, and you would think that that doesn't put you behind the benchmark, but it does just a little bit. And I, I don't yeah. think he, I don't think it's anything about him not getting the chance that he's entitled to at Auburn. I, I definitely think that if he was not going to be set up for an opportunity to compete, that he would not have been offered uh, by Hugh Freeze and brought with him from Liberty. Yeah. Your quarterback of the future is coming in next year in Walker White. We, I think we're, we're all pretty much on board of that. I think right now I'm, I feel comfortable saying it's going to be Ashford, Jariner, then Brown. And I don't think that this quarterback room's done. I think that we'll, we're probably on the same page that even if it's just kind of a warm body uh, veteran backup that's going to come on staff and position themselves to be a GA uh, after yeah. post graduation, that 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 makes perfect sense. Yeah. If but, you don't, if you don't remember, uh, there's a lot of guys out there who are still battling out as much as Auburn is. Sure. So, I mean, you have three quarterbacks at Ole Miss who all want to start, and I don't see a world where all three of those guys are on the same team by fall. Same thing and with Georgia. I was about to say, if you're going to keep in the conference, you've got to talk about Georgia. It's it's an interesting race over there. Uh, presumptively, who, who did you project to, to win that in that quarterback battle? I, trust I think I think Carson Beck is going to take Carson it. Beck. You, got, you got the second uh, second reps behind Seth and Bennett, and then Blake Vandergriff Rander, after him. Uh, I think Vandergriff is going to be the guy that goes. I, I would I would agree with that. And, uh, and that's an got, interesting one. Oh, so you also gotta look at the fact that 
Ohio State is looking for a new quarterback, and they both have they have two guys up there that are both high ranked prospects. One of them has been there for three years; the other one is just coming in. Sure, a lot of battles going around. Portal's not done, but right now for Auburn, I think it's a battle of QB two. I think it's either Holden Jr. or TJ Finley. Portal's not done, and there's there's another not even enrolled freshman that's already in the transfer portal um, and within the SEC that's not at the quarterback position, but I'm ready for us to talk some other positions because I think there's a guy out of Grayson High School in Loganville, Georgia, who I think may wind up on the plains of Auburn, Alabama. So let's let's keep it keep it moving, Dylan. Let's talk a little, jump back to the hardwood for a second here and talk women's hoops this evening, 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern. This one's going to be covered by, I haven't asked him yet, but I am hoping Daniel Locke on the Auburn Daily because I've got to go pick up my lovely girlfriend uh, from the airport and get to spend the weekend with her. Very excited about that. Auburn's going to take on Georgia in in, in a rematch of a, of a game where the Tigers went into Athens, shockingly, unsurprisingly shorthanded once again, and, and dropped that game by 11 in, in a game that you and I talked about, uh, I guess, earlier in the week, maybe, maybe I think it was earlier in the week, about how uh, how they played this game close. They lose by 11, and it's but it's way closer than the scoreboard shows. And and it's it's an opportunity for Auburn to, I think, possibly get out of that first round of the SEC tournament. And then you're going to run into a, a freight train that is LSU. And and, <laughs> and that and that kind of is what it is. But Dylan, how how awesome would it be for Auburn to snag one more, one more SEC win and one more win on the season? And and really, it's it's got to be an opportunity to be a stepping stone into 2023, 24, right? I'll answer that question with a question. If Auburn does move on to the second round of the SEC Women's Tournament, does that raise our grade for Johnny Harris from an A to an A plus? Because that's far far and exceeding any expectation we had for Auburn women's basketball this season. Am I right? Am I right? I'll raise my A minus to an A. Okay. So, (laughs) what if they go past the second round? Would they be the LSU? That's an A plus. There we That's go. And, and this is not me being super critical. It's it's not all I'm not when I said A minus, I don't want to sound like I'm being too critical of Coach J. It's just very hard for me to give AA plus. I'm just one of those yeah. professors, I guess. I just don't count your absences. I'm cool like that. But I there were a couple of games that all, probably could have gone the other way if uh if execution was a little better, and that doesn't all fall on Coach oh, yeah. J. hundred percent. And it's just like I'm when I'm critical of Bruce, right? I'm I'm hundred percent on board the Bruce Pearls, the guy at Auburn, and I'm hundred percent on board the Coach Johnny Harris is is the answer at Auburn, but it takes a lot for me to give A pluses. So maybe maybe if if Auburn wins this uh, this wins a game in the SEC tournament, they win Georgia, beat Georgia this evening. I'll go ahead and bump mine to an A, and then no questions about the A minus. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more lenient when it comes to grading teams because I always see it as how they look going into the season, what's the outlook, uh, how, where they predicted to go, and then if they exceed those, I'm more lenient to give them A. Like I got into the Barstow employee because I wanted to give Tennessee an A plus and they didn't like that very much in football, at least. <laughs> oh yeah, they are in an A plus this past year, Josh Heupel. Anyways, that's not something I want to get too too hung up on. Let's let's keep talking about women's sports for a second here. Let's talk gymnastics, uh, preparing for their season finale, correct? Or they have one no, more? they have one more. They have uh Kentucky on Friday, and then next week they have a whiteout, you know, because Auburn invented the whiteouts. Against uh, versus Penn State. Penn State. Yep. Sorry. Penn State at home. Uh, this SEC finale. My my yes, apologies. There you go. Well, SEC finale. SEC regular season. Regular finale. season there finale. You go. Yes. There I, will, you go. I will actually. I'll be on site for the SEC uh, championship of gymnastics. I'm very very excited about it. And uh, Auburn's going to go to Lexington, Kentucky. Beautiful town. Great place. Good food. Great barbecue. Good whiskey. And for those of you who are curious about my SEC town reviews, I'll if you if you like this, just tweet at me and I'll, I'll make sure I throw one every in every every time. Uh, 
going to go ahead, go to Lexington and and get to go compete against another high caliber team. Uh, color me surprised. And uh, I don't see a real reason why Auburn doesn't round this one out uh, in the direction they're trending. They had that one little down meet at Missouri where they're resting legs and, and, and resting, resting bodies as you, as you do throughout the season. I think it's gone kind of quiet with this team because they're just so good. Like, and, and, and it's kind of Auburn. I don't know if Auburn fans are ready for that kind of consistency. I don't know if they think they deserve that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're coming off a monster win versus Georgia. And when I say monster win, if you look at the box score, if you don't understand gymnastics that much, they beat them by, I believe that's 1.425. That's a blowout. That is a blowout. <laughs> if you beat them by, I think, quick five, it's considered a blowout. Uh, this right. is this is borderline a shutout. Yeah, pretty <laughs> but much. But you can have shutout in gymnastics because there's never a zero on anything unless you just don't do it. Yeah, I but guess. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's out. back at like, full strength. I mean, every SEC team should be a little bit worried. Uh, of the Auburn Tigers, especially if a couple of teams that uh, beat Auburn in certain meets, uh, you're getting Auburn on uh, mutual, uh, what's the word, neutral site, uh, and there's not going to be a little bit of environment going on. And from what I know about Auburn, uh, we travel very well. In this SEC championships in Georgia, right in the heart of Auburn country. <laughs> yeah, it's like right over there. So. <laughs> Mm, hello, Auburn fans. Welcome to the Auburn-sponsored SEC Tournament for Gymnastics. It's uh, the SEC Gymnastics will take uh, Championships will take place at Gas South Arena in Gwinnett County, Georgia, actually where I graduated from high school. I, that's where I walked, and it's about 45 minutes from UGA, so I assume there'll be a good amount of Georgia fans and SEC fans travel well in general, but I would be shocked if there was not a <laughs> boatload of orange and blue. What you're hearing is tar walks as soon as you could flip. That's right. Yes, that's that's how that goes. Let's uh, let's flip over to the Diamond Sports, and then it's time to head over to Jackson McFadden, Mr. J Mac. Yep. Auburn baseball rounded out their game while we were watching this overtime madness against uh, Alabama and basketball. Eighteen eight over Florida A and M in seven innings. Thank God for the run rule. Holy crap! I mean, let's oh just... yeah, about to see another USC thing going on. <laughs> Literally another <laughs> another three game set this weekend. Non conference opponent of Lipscomb, and if you're at the four o'clock game on Saturday, we will probably be dropping by. We're running the Auburn Gauntlet this weekend, so we'll be at men's basketballs. Uh, baseball for a handful of innings depending on the softball scheduling and then we'll be at softball that evening so come say hey come hang out come drink a beer with us at baseball or softball we'd love to hang out and and, and talk ball uh should be a really good weekend against lips against Lipscomb. Lindsay crosby talked to us before the season started and said this is not a cupcake game uh or cupcake series this is a, a team that makes does not hurt your bpi in an extensive uh fashion so I'll take his word for it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm still learning the landscape, and uh, it's it's been a ton of fun. It's uh, it's interesting. The big storyline here is will um, Joseph Gonzalez be good to go on Saturday? Don't want to see him miss another start. And uh, what does that look like if he's on limited innings, limited limited pitch count? Ike Irish is going to keep doing what he does, and uh, you you're you're interested to see if Auburn can finally pick up that sweep that it's it's has eluded it uh, in the first two series. I guess I don't know what you guys. It's not a sweep against USC, but it's like it's like not not a loss. So yeah, you didn't you didn't drop a game, but you just right. pick up all three. You know, right? <laughs> Auburn softball played seven full innings in a midweek game for the first. That's time weird. Hot minute, I believe. After, it's been a while. They beat Troy in-state rival, if you will, in-state opponent, ten to six. I love these diamond sports playing in-state schools. It's a ton of fun. I just I love it. And uh, they're preparing for the J&B Moore Memorial Invitational. That's this weekend. And they're playing another in-state opponent. But first, they'll play Bowling Green. Then they'll play South Alabama twice. 
Tennessee Tech again uh, for just one game, and then Bowling Green again to round things out on Sunday afternoon. Dylan, I see five wins. I don't. I don't not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not being that guy. I mean, Auburn's what sixteen and one right now. Seventeen uh, and one. Yeah, something, something along those lines. Sixteen something, or seventeen something, and one. Some, some, some a little basic like that. Yeah, sixteen um, and one. Eleven and I, at home. I also saw the circle referred to as the uh, the Pentagon earlier today, which is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I just wish I we would have came up with it. I just wish we would have came up with it. Uh, <laughs> gave it, give it, give us an interview with her, and we we'll get a better nickname. Right? There. That's right. That's right. Auburn softball is just, uh, just I think too good for this for this these these opponents this weekend. Uh, I, I I foresee at least two run rules. Uh, I, I would think that you you run rule Tennessee Tech and probably grab one from Bowling Green if not both. South Alabama is one of those wild cards because well, the state of Alabama is so rich in softball talent, and there's just no hiding that the Southeast is very good at softball. What? For my for my sake, I have to we we have to sweep uh, South Alabama because I may have already been uh, trash throwing, talking your sister. Yeah, throwing some jabs at my little sister who's at South Alabama in medical school, and I was writing for sports, so I had to throw. Well, you know, y'all are gonna get swept by our softball team. So yeah, I I feel pretty comfortable. I said this last week on the Auburn Daily Show, so don't think this is a jinx. When Lindsay asked me about the uh, five game set and the Tiger Invitational, I said I see five wins and I see three run rules. And I think I, I, I did pretty well. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I really do see five wins against this weekend. And we'll be there, like I said, at the five thirty game against South Alabama, uh, excuse me, against Tennessee tech on Saturday night. So you can lock in a brave bomb for that game. If there were such thing as a fan duel or a, uh, well, I could think of another, another great organization prize picks uh, <laughs> line for that. I would go ahead and hammer it. Because it seems to me that Dylan and I are just really good at being there when Briellis hits deep balls. I mean, we've already been uh, claimed officially the Briellis good luck charms by both Emily Ellis, her her sister, and Brie bombs or sorry, the great Bambrino herself has called us her good luck charm. So, <laughs> and I vow that if I get the opportunity to talk to Mickey Dean and Auburn's up big, I will ask him to pinch hit Maddie Penta for all of you asking. Um, I will, uh, I will, I will see to it that 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 is at least the bugs planted in his ear. This group's a ton of fun. They're they're kicking ass and taking names, for lack of a better term. Uh, that's just the best way to put it right now, Dylan. And and top to bottom, they're offensively loaded. No one really clogs up the order. Kind of like Greg Olson was talking about Auburn baseball right now. Top one, one through nine, no one really clogs up that order. They got a ton of speed. Uh, the defense is solid. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just not saying it's like it's not a gold glove defense, but they're above average, so they're going to be fine. Uh, the 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 circle, the work in the circle is kind of ultra remarkable. And saying, the outfield could be bad, and I have no idea just because we have two of the best pitchers. And sorry, it, it goes deeper than two, but Maddie, saying, hey, don't forget about don't forget about our girl Annabelle. Yeah, I mean, Annabelle, Annabelle's her as well. She's been cooking. But with Penta, Annabelle, and of course Shelby Lowe in the mound, I mean. The healthy, because, healthy, it, shall be low. Healthy, shall be low. Yeah, the outfield can kind of like sit there, like you know, when you're like a six year old t ball, you're like playing on the dandelions or playing on the grass. You can do do that because you don't get a lot of hits from those those yeah, girls. You really, you really don't. So I'm I'm excited. You you agree with me? Five wins this weekend. I, I don't. I'm not being aggressive. Uh, uh, I'm I'm usually against against you whenever you sunshine pump when it comes to like basketball. Uh, I'm five games and five innings apiece. So. Let's go with that. I'm going to predict 29 innings this weekend. I'm predicting 25. 20. I'm going to go 29 innings uh, this weekend. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, let's. I, I'm excited. Busy weekend on the planes, and don't uh, don't. I'm, I'm excited to be be back on in town. Like I said, if you're there, make sure to hit us up. We would love to talk ball, um, watch some watch some baseball, watch some softball, hang out at the basketball game. We'll be in general admission. 
Maybe we'll get down to the jungle. Who knows how cool Daniel's feeling that day. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Locke was not able to be with us today. He was in T-Town, so we're hoping he gets some safe travels back so we can have him back on the podcast. It's all personal game. No, I'm kidding. Hope uh, Safe travels to him. Let's flip it over now to an exclusive College Loop interview with former Auburn placeholder, Jackson McFadden, and known legend uh, for catching a four-yard out route against ja- uh, against Samford hey, in yeah. 2019. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Jackson McFadden in the studio. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, now it is my pleasure to welcome in Jackson McFadden, former Auburn walk-on wide receiver. You know him best as the man that made sure the laces were out for the uh, our Honors Carlson and four-time SEC academic honor roll, smart cookie certified. J-Mac, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today, man. Glad to be here, man. Excited. We're uh, we're pumped to talk some talk some Auburn football. We um we are very excited that spring ball's back. I know that you're excited to at least be able to follow along with the guys. You got a little FOMO? Yeah, a little bit. I was actually talking to uh, one of my friends, Bart Lester, yesterday, and uh, we were just talking about how it was it was tough when like spring ball came around because you're like, dang, like you're not really working towards much working towards a day. But um, so it was always tough in the moment. But now we're looking back, like, dang, it'd be pretty fun to go back and uh, and strap them up again. How uh, for, from from your perspective, as as a walk on wide receiver, and, and ultimately like like we said, holder, how much you get knocked around during spring ball? It's tough, man. I mean, it's it's brutal on the body. That's something we were talking about because, like, I mean, you're the, – the coaches don't really have any reason to not have, like, two-hour practices and, right. I mean, pretty intense stuff. Like, you're, it's, it's pretty physical. Um, it's not like you really got a game you're preparing for, so you don't have to be ready to go uh, come Saturday. You have scrimmages every Saturday. And um, so, I mean, by the end of it, your hamstrings pulled, you got – you're bruised, you're battered. I mean, it's it's pretty taxing on the body. So by by the end of spring ball, you're ready to be done. Um, so it, it's 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 pretty brutal. But it, it kind of goes for everybody. Like walk on scholarship, regardless. Walk on's probably a little bit more. Um, but that's just because we're built different. Oh yeah, built different. Uh, that's you know we were talking with Brooks Walton the other day about the brotherhood of walk ons. Yeah. And uh, talk 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 to us a little bit from your perspective about how much of a how much of a fraternity that really is. Um, and it's in and of itself. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and coming from a guy who was in, like me and Brooks were both in an actual fraternity on campus, and um, we loved Fiji and stuff, but you, the guys on the team, I mean, those truly are your brothers. You're spending more time with them than you are anybody else uh, when it comes to workouts, practice, film. I mean, you're with those guys for uh, more than probably half the day that, that you're awake and stuff. I mean, you're, you're always with them. Um, but then even after we, we'd get out of practice, we'd still want to go hang out. We'd still want to go get dinner together or um, sure. if whatever the case was, there was times when we'd always want to hang out and stuff. Um, and so just like, I mean, those are some of my best friends. 
I mean, those are guys who are going to be in my wedding. I, one of my buddies, Malcolm Russell, is another walk-on. He's getting married in December, and, um, like, I'm being his wedding and stuff. So it's just, like, some of my very best friends just because the bond that's formed from just going through uh, going through a lot together. Sure. Dylan, you, I know you want to talk a little bit about, about being a walk-on and the life of being a walk-on. So I'll, I'll let you let you bug J-Mac a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, he has a, a previous experience answer some of these questions that I wrote down, just putting yeah. them out to the, to the public. So just what was your walk-on process? I know you had to go through some tryouts, talk to some coaches. What was your process like? Yeah, so I, I got kind of lucky that um, I had, like it was January of my senior year, I emailed um, one of the coaches who was like the, uh, NFL liaison and then he was also like the high school relations liaison and kind of like walk-on coach um, and so I emailed him and he got back to me pretty quick um, and this was my senior year of high school and I just told him like a little bit about me on the football field and then also told him a little bit about me in the in the classroom because that was something they cared about a lot um, and he said he was like yeah uh, if you can come down like this day to Auburn we have like a, a walk-on day um, and you can kind of see the facilities talk to some of the coaches we can tell you a little bit about the experience and so I ended up going down there um, my, uh, January of senior year and was able to talk with some of the coaches and, and hear some of the experiences from some of the walk-ons. Um, and then I guess it was probably a, a month or so later, they told me that I'd have a, a spot on the team. Um, so I was a, a preferred walk-on, so I didn't have to try out, which was nice. Um, but it was kind of just like come August, uh, once school started, I'd start with the team and start practicing and stuff. Um, so that was kind of how I got in there, got foot in the door and everything. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it kind of just took off. Heard that. How So, so you walked on as a wideout. And mm-hmm. uh, actually, you, you, you got you got a reception against Samford in 2019. Yeah. Which, fun fact, that was my first game covering um, as a journalist at home at Jordan-Hare. So that's a fun little yeah. little tidbit for you that you didn't care about. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Where did that uh, transition over to Holder? Where did that, where did that fit in? Yeah, so I, I held in high school. Um, and I always liked it. And I was, like, always solid at it. But when I got to Auburn, I didn't really have any intention of trying to hold. Um, and then one of the guys I walked on with, who was uh, my same age, Jacob Quattlebaum, who's still at Auburn, he's the starting long snapper now. Um, he walked on as a long snapper. And, I mean, like we talked about, the brotherhood, me and him just got to be good friends pretty quickly. And after practice, uh, I, I, I told him one day, I was like, yeah, I held in high school. Like, if you ever want to get some extra snaps in after practice, like, I'd be more than happy to help out and hold a little bit. And so we started doing that after practice. And, um, he noticed that I was pretty solid at it and brought like honors over and some of the other specialists over. And then they were like, yeah, you're pretty good at it. Um, and then like they brought the specialist coach over and he saw it. And so I kind of just took off from there and they were like, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a spot where you could like get on the field. I was like, I mean, obviously I came here to play receiver, but if I can get on the field any way possible, that's, that's great. So, um, sophomore year, it, it, we had a senior who Sage Ledbetter, who was, um a kicker and he was a holder and he was great at it and stuff and then once he left it was kind of like an open door um and I was able to take over that second second half of junior year uh, which was really fun laces out every time eight four that was my favorite thing to to be with all the Nashville boys in the student section here and that one yelled every time for an extra point oh, yeah. field goal. Oh, hey you you were pretty good at it man laces were every out every out every damn time so yeah I like to think uh, I like to think 100% on hold when I was uh when I was in there I I mean NFL scouts. I don't know why they're not knocking on your door, bro. I mean, we, we, they they got to have those laces out, and you're reliable as reliable as they come. I told Anders wherever he goes uh, that he he needs to tell them, hey, I've got a guy who can hold uh, and see what they say. 
What's your relationship like with honors? I mean, we we've this is going to be the first year at Auburn that we're going to see a kicker not last named Carlson since 2015. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh, I mean, Anders is there for about 10 years, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, Anders, he's one of my best friends, um, someone that I got to know starting pretty early uh, freshman year. I mean, I, I don't know if y'all met Anders, but he's one of the nicest guys that, that you'll ever meet. And he's a really compassionate guy. He doesn't let the um stardom and fame because he's kind of uh, he's kind of famous around Auburn I mean when you're called sure. and he came in and didn't really have to do anything and was already famous and then he he kind of uh, blazed his own trail which was pretty cool to see but um I mean he's just such a nice guy such a compassionate dude and then um being around him on the team and, and we were, had similar interests and so we kind of just got to be friends um and then once I started holding obviously I was around him a lot and um he he he'll admit it too he's pretty particular as most kickers are um about wanting me at certain times during practice and so I just made myself available to him Uh, but we're we're hanging out a lot and I was I was there for for anything that he needed when it came to holding because I was like you know I don't want to keep this spot so I'm gonna I gotta make the kicker happy if I want to keep it but um yeah he's definitely one of my best friends and uh I'm I'm pumped to see what he does uh at the next level yeah, we we've not had the pleasure of meeting honors, but we'd love for him to be friend of the program if, if he wants to come talk ball. Uh, that's something yeah. super open to. If, if you want to hook us up, by all means, J Mac, we're not stopping you. <laughs> yeah, I might be able to connect. I bet he's he's a little busy right now at the combine, but um, no maybe maybe here soon he'll uh, have a little downtime and uh, maybe you know, get him on. It'd be fun. That would be a blast. Uh, now I know Dylan wanted to talk to you a little more about pre-holder J Mac, uh, yeah. specifically that that. Tw- that that some were calling one of the most legendary Auburn moments in history in 2019. That's what I've heard. Don't don't go right ahead. So I remember we talked about this catch before. It's a, it was a little out route that you ran, and it was a it was a hell of a catch too. It was like a one hander, right? So what was your what was going through your head whenever you made that catch? Yeah. So uh, they they called the play, and as I lined up, and and the quarterback was Will Appleton, who was another walk on and and a great dude. And me and him had been on scout team together. We had a great connection. And so I was like, okay, like he, me and him got a connection. He knows, like, I'll catch the ball if he throws it over to me. And um, so I knew the play was an out route, and and I saw the defense. And I was like, okay, like I'm to the short side of the field. Will's probably just he's probably nervous out there. It's his first time playing. He wants to just kind of get it out quick and and get some completions. So I was like, there's a good chance that this ball comes to me. Um, And so I run the out route, turn around, ball's coming. And uh, I don't know if y'all remember that day, but I mean, it had been like an absolute soon the yeah. first half. So, and it it was, it was still pretty wet. It hadn't, hadn't dried up or anything like that. Um, and so I was like, dang, like, I know this ball is going to be kind of slick. Uh, my gloves are a little slick and stuff, but I was like, this, this could be my only chance. Like I remember thinking as the ball's coming to me, like this could be my only chance to catch a ball at the college level. Um, and so I was just like praying that, that I was going to catch it. Um, stuck my hands up and, and caught it. And, I like it was it was on the sideline. It was kind of close because I, I mean, like I said, it was wet. Like was kind of bobbling going down. Um, came down with it, and I remember looking up and I see one of the Sanford coaches like trying to say that like I didn't have possession of it or whatever. And I was like, I was honestly about to get like really mad. Like you're not going to take this away from me. Like <laughs> this could be like I need I want this stat. Um, and so I remember like handing the ball to the ref, running in, like trying to be like, all right, next play, like let's go, let's go. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty fun. I was glad when we got the next playoff, and I was like, that's that's one uh, one catch for me right there. I remember I tried to like make sure I turned my uh, chest to the to the announcer, the PA, so they they knew what who it was and everything. Did you keep the ball? 
No, no, I didn't know anything about that. I probably should have, but um, you definitely should have. Yeah, I know. I, I that might have been a good call. I was probably I, I wasn't able to think that far ahead, man. I was just so juiced to have caught a ball. I mean, like I said, one of the I, rumor has it that it's right there with the kick six. That that, oh, that yeah. might be one of the most valuable footballs in Auburn football history. I know, and they may never know where it is. Some equipment manager's probably got it in his in his collection. And just, just, he, just he's waiting on it. He's waiting. He's buying his time, and yep. then once uh, once I, I get really famous, that's when I'll sell. It. When you're holding in the Super Bowl after Honors yeah. hooks you up, yep, that's exactly that's that's, that's gonna be it. It was really funny on that uh, on that catch. Uh, one of my mom's friends like videoed it on the TV and sent it to me after the game. Um, and it's funny because the announcers like caught my number 84 and then like pauses because he's like clearly looking through the roster trying to figure out like who is 84 like what in the world and he's like jackson mcfadden after like a, a solid pause there uh, so that always made my friends had a good laugh at that hey it counts the same in the stat book my man yeah yeah exactly, yeah, sure exactly. that's 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 a pretty damn cool moment yeah, it's always fun to yeah. see um walk-ons i mean it was it was a lot of fun to see what cord did um in, in 19 and when he got to come in and throw the sling the ball around a little bit he played pretty well yeah, um, in that, yeah. Same for game. Um, two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, we just need to plug in the cord more often, in my opinion. Um, we should have, man. We should have. We tried to against uh, Northwestern in, in 2020 or 2021, I guess. And uh, and then Bo came back in. But we should have. Pretty damn good guy. I heard he's pretty, pretty candid. Oh, yeah. He's a man. He's another one who uh, just – I mean, because he was – well, he's like – five and a half years older than me he was or us he, he was our same age that so he came in and um we kind of went through the same uh we, we call it war dogs which is like the freshman workout thing at the uh, during the season if you're not like playing a lot um and so we we bonded over that and um yeah he became definitely one of my best friends and i actually got to see him this past weekend for the first time in a while and uh i mean it's just like we we see each other and it's like we we hadn't had any time apart we were just catching up and right i uh, kind of starting off where, where we left off so but he's he's the man and we always got a lot of work in after practice he was always down to keep throwing after practice i was going to run extra out so um it was a good good combo just guys being dudes dylan yeah exactly go ahead dylan i know you got a couple more i got a bunch more all right so you took over the holder position midway through the your junior year correct mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not it was uh it was after was it after old miss and before and lsu was your first career start yeah my J-Mac Auburn knowledge is unmatched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so what was it like whenever you got that first career start when you heard your – I don't I think it was at – was it at LSU? Uh, no, it was at home. It was at in Jordan. So you heard your yeah. name on it. So what was that like when you heard your name on the – when Rick Smith called your name as the starting holder? Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. So um, what happened is like – it was funny that like when they actually were doing the starting lineups like they did at the beginning like in pregames and stuff – um, for some reason that year was the only year that they didn't do the long snapper and the holder, or maybe just the holder. Like they didn't do the holder on the, <laughs> on the, the jumbotron or whatever. And so I remember thinking, like, I actually went up to the like head of player development or whatever kind of handled that. Um, and I asked him if we could get that changed or whatever. And, uh, he was like, I don't think we've ever done that in the past. And I was like, I didn't even we have, but, um, <laughs> We have, damn time, it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we have done that. Um, but the first time I actually heard it was when we were running out there for the first field goal. Uh, and it was funny because it was uh, Nehemiah Pritchett had picked the ball off and had run it back. And we, like, initially they'd called it a touchdown, and then they came back and said that he hadn't scored. And so I ran out there, and we were about to, like, 
kicked the extra point and stuff. And it was about my first one. And so I get down and like they're announcing like uh, number 26 honors Carlson to kick and I'm ready for Jackson kind to hold. And then the rest blow it dead. And they're like going to review it. And then they end up saying it's not a touchdown. They have to go back. Uh, and so it's kind of funny because it was like a false alarm. It was kind of like my <laughs> first time out there. Uh, but I remember talking to a bunch of friends afterwards. And they were like, when they first heard my name come up, because I hadn't really told anybody. Like I had kind of kept it to myself. It wasn't like a for sure thing. And uh, I didn't want to jinx anything. But I think I told like, I told Beach. I think it was like the only person that I'd told before the game. Uh, and he was like, cool. Uh, and so like, uh, I was like going out there and like all my friends were like super surprised. But then when we actually went out there and kicked it, um, I mean, it was one of the coolest things ever. Like uh, hearing my name called as like, the starter uh, essentially it was really cool but that first hold I was so nervous that I was going to mess up I remember looking across and I was like holy cow like that's LSU over there I mean that's they're the defending national champions at that point they weren't very good that year but I was like that's the defending national champions LSU over there um, and so it was like the craziest thing I was like just don't drop it don't drop it don't drop it and then got it down he made it and then after that I was just I was just having fun so um, it was after that it just laces out every time Exactly. After that, it was just like a, it was an afterthought. I was just getting it down. That's right. That, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. That that's got to rank up there in in, in moments. Uh, that that first hold. I'm sure the catch is up there. And and either yeah. one of those are acceptable answers for the next one that you've been asked by anyone that's ever talked to you about playing football. But mm-hmm. if you got to pull out one moment or one game uh, that that you that you go back and relive or that you cherish and you, you'll hold on to forever, what, what are you going to tell your grandkids about? Um, I'd probably say Penn State senior year. Um, the first uh, field goal that we had was, I mean, it was 0-0 first quarter. And I mean, y'all know, night game, wide out, like kind of first game back, first real game back from COVID. They're the uh, first team to ever have all their fans wear white, by the way. First team to – Yeah, been- yeah. No one ever did that before. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, the place is like absolutely rocking. And so it's, it's fourth down. We're running out there to kick a field goal. Um, and I remember thinking like, holy cow, like I'm kind of nervous. This place is, is going nuts. Um, and I remember looking at my long snap with Jacob Quattlebaum and I could tell he was nervous. And then I looked at Anders, who's like, Anders is normally like cool, calm, collected. And I could tell he was a little nervous too. Um, and so I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to be the mature one here and I'm going to not be nervous now. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I was like, you know, what? like, let's just soak this in and like, see how cool this actually is. Like, I mean, this is like a very storied um, football program, Penn State is a, a storied stadium. Like, enjoy this, like how cool this is right now. Um, and so that's probably one of like the coolest moments because I really just was able to like calm down and soak it all in. There's so many times when the adrenaline's pumping and you're just like, you, whatever the play was happens and then you're like, you can't really remember it after that. But that's something that like I'll truly be able to like remember because I just like kind of calmed down. I was like, let's just like enjoy how cool this environment is in this situation that the loudest place you've ever played yeah that place was nuts uh, i mean i don't think anything compares to jordan hair uh you go back to perfect there's the clickbait there's the clickbait yeah there you go uh i don't think anything compares to 2019 georgia even though we lost that game when because uh, we were down like 21 nothing going into the fourth quarter and then we scored two touchdowns and um when they had third down after we'd scored. So it was 21-14. They get the ball. It's third down. I think that was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. Like, from being on the field or on the sideline, like, that place was absolutely rocking. Um, and and then we stopped them and got the ball back. And then, obviously, we weren't able to, to close it out. But that was, I think, the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. It was 
unbelievable. That's uh, I, I, I tell people that all the time about that 2019 season because you get lost in the sauce with the iron ball, right? Yeah. At Georgia game, you couldn't think. It yeah. was so loud in the fourth quarter. Crazy. It, it is ridiculous. That and uh, honorable mention Penn State in 2022. People talking, to, I don't know if you were at that game or not. Yeah. That, I mean, at the beginning, I mean, obviously Auburn winds up getting blown out, but I, that I, the ground was shaking. It was yeah. unreal how loud that place was. Um, and I've been yeah. to Death Valley. Um, I've not been to Kyle Field. I know you have. Um, yeah. Not been to Kyle Field, but Death Valley doesn't compare. Um, Sanford Stadium sure as hell doesn't compare. Yeah. And, and I, I'd imagine Bryant Denny can't t- t- can't really hold a hold a candle to it. So, yeah. It's always yeah. fun to hear, hear guys talk about how loud Jordan Harry is because I think people will forget about how much sound bounces off that Jumbotron. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really – and, I mean, even, like, Georgia player, I think – I can't remember what Georgia player it was, but I think it was a Georgia player at SEC Media Day last year talked about how tough a place to play Jordan Harris, um, like regardless of the team that we have. And I mean, we saw that in 2021 when we played uh, Bama and like we played them close and stuff and we had no business being in that game. Um, and we were just able to because like the stadium is just like the, the, the home field advantage is unreal. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, Joe Burrow said it in the pros, nothing compares to playing at Auburn. Yeah, which which is that was a wild ego boost, but here we yeah. are. <laughs> here we are, Dylan. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and ask him the the tricky questions here, and yeah. and and and, and J Mac, you answer this as as, as you as you feel fit. You went through, and I'm not I'm not gonna ask you about the, the I'm not gonna ask you to throw Brian Horse under the bus. That's not what we're here to do. <laughs> but you went through a coaching change while you were at school, and and there's a group of guys that are doing the same exact thing right now. And I'd, I'd, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't know at least a couple of guys that are going through it right now that are still yeah. with the program. How much can you relate to these guys in terms of how much of a big change it is, especially these guys got a brand new facility? Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's tough. And I mean, specifically for me, when all of that happened, like like we were talking about, like that junior year was when I kind of came out from just being a walk-on and was actually like playing a little bit. Um, obviously, on as, as a holder, I got on some special teams. Um, I kind of made my way off scout team when it came to receiver and was actually like running with the offense a little bit. I mean, as just a reserve, but like was off the scout team. And and so I'd kind of like made somewhat of a name for myself um, with the coaches and whatnot. And then just like that, everybody's gone um, who knew anything about me and a whole new staff comes in. Um, and so it, I think it's tough for everybody, like walk on scholarship, whoever you are, it's tough when you have a coaching change. Uh, but that was something that I found extremely difficult was the fact that I just felt like I was back to square one. Like I came back in after Christmas break, like after we had gotten done with the bowl game and everything and Harson was taken over and it was just like, I was back to being a freshman walk on again. And I was about to start my senior year. So I was like, um, that's something that was extremely difficult for me. Um, and then I know for everybody else, it's just tough adjusting to and from both sides from the coaches and from the players it's just tough adjusting because there's going to be growing pains on both sides um and with harson i think it was even more extreme because he's coming from boise state and he's he was the co-office coordinator at texas but it's like that's kind of his only power five experience and that was way back when and so it's like when you're coming in and trying to change the culture of an sec school and a culture at auburn that i feel like is it's kind of unmatched in anywhere else um and so he was trying to change that and so it was just like met i feel like with a lot of um, contention from a lot of the players and it was just like um that was i think that he he probably i think it's good 
to come in and you change the culture as the coach. Like that's something you got to do. Uh, but I think he was trying to change things that like made Auburn Auburn. Um, and obviously that's, that's where you kind of cross the line. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. I think that hopefully this one, this transition is a little easier just because Q freeze knows how an SEC program works, knows how to be successful in the SEC. Um, and I feel like he knows a little bit about Auburn. He's got some ties to Auburn. I mean, his daughter went there for a little bit and um, I think he's always kind of wanted to, to coach at Auburn. So hopefully it's a little bit easier for the, uh, for this transition, but it's tough regardless, man. It's really tough because you get used to something for however long you're there before the coaching change. And then it's just, you got to pretty much rewire your brain. Yeah. It's I, I, that's why I had to pick your brain on it because I, I'd imagine, you know, a couple still know at least a handful of guys pretty well within the program. They yeah. they were they were receiving Hugh Freeze pretty well. He's he's he kind of a hit within the program, or, or what, are, what are the vibes you're getting? Yeah, I think it's definitely been uh, pretty good so far. I think I was talking to Jacob Quattlebaum uh, a little bit ago, and he was saying that the uh, everyone is is kind of getting behind him and getting behind the string. I mean, right now, like they're uh, they're going into spring ball, so they'll do with the coaches a lot more. But um, like during the winter and stuff, you're just doing you're with the strength coach. I mean, strength staff the entire time and so like that's kind of like your first impression of um of the kind of the new staff is just the strength staff and so you kind of got to get behind them first and then you then then they'll have meetings and whatnot then you get the spring ball um but he said that they're they're really buying into the culture and that they're doing a really good job of um just kind of making it a good experience for everybody so i think so far it's been pretty good uh but it'll be interesting to see how the entirety of spring ball goes Heard that, man. Um, I, I was just, I was just curious. And Dylan, go ahead. I know you're going to talk a little more about uh, freeze and the future of Auburn football. So, what is your current outlook for the freeze tenure or his future for Auburn football? Yeah, I, I'm honestly pretty excited. I, I think it's a good hire. Uh, I think. I mean, he's like we talked about. He's, he's a really good football coach. He's had a lot of success. He did really well at Ole Miss. He did really well at Liberty. He's got some off the field issues that have. Um, obviously kind of overshadowed what he's done on the field. And so I think that that's something where he'll probably be on a, a shorter leash um, in, in those terms with, uh, with the coaching and with like the fans and everything like that. But I think that if he really has put it behind him, like he said he has, and I mean, it, I think it goes a long way that his family has spoken out about it, saying that they have forgiven him and that he's turned a, a page and uh, turned the next chapter and everything like that. Um, I think that if he just goes out there and does the right thing and, and coaches ball uh, like he's able to, I, I'm really excited for what he's bringing to the table. I think that it was a good hire. Like I said, the guy with SEC experience is really good. We kind of – I feel like it was kind of a wild card taking Harson because they were like, it could work out, it could not, and obviously it didn't work out. Um, but I think it's always a – what we needed this go-around was someone who had SEC experience – um, so I like to hire from an on-the-field perspective. Again, it's just uh, really going to uh, – only time will tell to see if he's really put all that stuff off the field behind him. Sure. Uh, I think I think that's completely fair analysis, uh, Jackson. I, I, I don't – I think you hit the nail on the head. We, we talk about that a lot on here. Specifically, as as we kind of started this up shortly after Hugh Freeze was introduced as head coach uh, at, at Auburn, it's, it's, it's a matter of winning's the ultimate cure-all, right? And, yeah. um, and I, I think the dude's a winner. Uh, I, yeah. I, I really do. And uh, you can you can nitpick him for things coaching decision wise, for sure. And there's certainly the off field discussion. 
I think in large, this was at bare minimum what Auburn needed right now. Uh, I, I, I do think Auburn can be very successful under Hugh Freeze. I think they can make college football playoff, specifically when it expands um, under yeah. Hugh Freeze. So that's uh, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got to talk to you a little bit about that. Another very, very serious, tough question here for you. Funniest dude you played with while, while you were at Auburn. And, and we've heard some fun answers. Sean Shivers is apparently a trip. Yeah. That I mean that that was that's a go to man. Worm was, was something else, dude. He is uh Sean Shivers. It's funny when when we first came in, he was a freshman with me and um when I first came in with him and like got to know him and stuff, I thought that he was like the most annoying person I'd ever met. Uh, and like you can't understand him. He just talks so fast and he's always on something. Uh, but then as I as I got to know him more and he kind of took like a, a bigger leadership role on the team, I like really got to like worm a lot um he just he was someone who was gonna come in and have a good time and have fun and stuff but he was someone who's gonna work extremely hard I mean he was not gonna let anybody outwork him he was gonna go and get after it he was gonna do all the right stuff like he was truly just like a grinder um and I was I, I hated that we had such a good stable of running backs and I feel like he never really got uh, as good of a chance maybe as, as he could have if we didn't have those guys but um I mean, the dude was uh, hilarious. Like, just some of the stuff that he would say, some of the dances he would do, some of the stuff he'd do around the locker room. Like, I mean, it was just like there was never a dull moment with, with Worm. He was great. Brooks was saying that he had a locker that, I guess, backed up to him in, in the home locker room, and okay. that he didn't even know what the hell Worm was saying half the time. No, no. You get, and, and I remember talking to Anthony Schwartz, um, like, freshman year about it or something. And he was like, you can kind of like understand like what what he's getting at, but like it's kind of like you can you can understand someone, but you can't speak the language or whatever. It's sure. kind of that where it's like you can understand it, but like you have no idea no idea what to say back. Like it just <laughs> it, it wasn't gonna work. But um, yeah, dude, you, you half the time I didn't know what was coming out of Warren's mouth. Yeah, Dylan, maybe we need to work on getting Sean on the show. <laughs> yeah, former Indiana running back and uh, Auburn <laughs> highlight reel Sean Shivers. Yeah. That'd be a that'd be a great interview. I have an idea for the uh for the for the cover photo for that one. Just just throwing it out there. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a good one out there. That's right. Dylan, go ahead. Uh, so, how is life after football treating you? It's been good, man. I mean, I, I definitely miss football a lot. And uh, when I first started work back in July, I it was I guess like towards the end of July and then beginning of August when everyone was getting to the fall camp and stuff. And fall camps like pretty rough um but i was like dang i miss football a lot like i uh, i was like i wouldn't mind going back to the freaking 15 hour days that you have during fall camp and just the absolute beating your body takes and stuff like fall camp is like spring ball on steroids like it's it's you're always with always a facility always doing something and your, your body's just getting beat down but um i was like dang i'd love to go back but no, I mean, it, it's been good. It's it's nice, like, not having to absolutely, like, tear my body apart uh, with whether it's workouts or practice or whatever. I can kind of do it on my own uh, own speed and pace, everything like that. Um, I'm still trying to trying to stay in shape. Um, work well, the league calls you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I got to be ready if uh, once the Titans reach out and everything. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, I mean, work, work's been good. Um, it's like it's not as exciting as as uh, football and stuff, but it was fun this past season to really truly just like be a fan, um, and it was cool because I still knew a lot of guys on the team, so it was really fun to cheer for them and feel like that connection and stuff. Um, but not necessarily have like 
the emotional highs and lows and probably a lot more lows this past season that they were going through. Um, so I was still able to talk with some of the guys on the team and see how they're feeling and everything. But uh, just truly being a fan was, was pretty fun. And, and really just like being a college football fan again, because I mean, when you're playing, you're at the hotel Friday night and then Saturday morning meetings and stuff until the game, you don't really, you maybe have a little time to watch game day or to watch some of the games. Like there was really wasn't a ton of time to be able to watch the other games. And so it was like really fun just to be able to like watch a lot of college football this year again. So that was fun. Uh, but Heck yeah. no, nah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd go back and do it again right now if I could. Any well, desire to get in the, oh, sorry, Dylan. Oh, I was going to say, they let Salcanella come back after uh, his year off and do Auburn's pro day. You, you think you can just go up there for pro day and just run the 40, do some bench press, do some routes? And... Yeah, I guess I could try, man. I, my numbers probably wouldn't be very good these these days, but uh, I still got the routes. I still got the quick feet. I got the hands. Like, I could I could show them what's up. So what was your 40-yard dash? What, what's the what's the record? Um, I think that my best one. I, I wasn't like super. I wasn't a speed guy. I think mine was like a like a four seven or something. So it wasn't wasn't anything like crazy. You'd still leave uh, us in the dust if it makes you feel better. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I was I was a I was a possession receiver guy. I was a I run a good route, catch it, and get hit or get out of bounds or there you go, fall down or something like that. A little slot action. Who says no? Yeah, exactly. Love it. Exactly. And, any desire to get into coaching? The, I've thought about it a little bit. I, I don't think I'd want to move fast at the high school level. I think that that'd be the, the farthest I want to go. Just seeing what the coaches, the college coaches have to go through. I mean, you're during the season, you're there from like 6 or 7 a.m. till 6 or 7 p.m. And it's just a grind. And, and it'd be fun. Like you're talking about stuff, but it's it's so much of a grind. And in the off season, you're on the road all the time recruiting and stuff like that. So. I love the game and I love playing football and I was, I was more than happy to put in the 12 hour days that I had to at times when I was playing. Um, but like the passion is just not there as much when it comes to just like coaching. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I've always put it. It's like I was willing to do whatever when I was playing, but uh, when it comes to coaching, I think that it, it wouldn't, that passion wouldn't be there as much. So maybe like a volunteer high school coach down the road. There you go. We were, we're running low on time here, but I do do have two. Both of them should be pretty quick um, left to go. We, we ask everybody both of these. We talk a lot about the Auburn family on, on this podcast um, because our, our, our audience t- tends to kind of connect with it, and, and Dylan and I sure as hell do. Yeah, You're part of a – as cliche as it sounds, you're part of a family for life. Um, just to tell us a little bit about how cool that is, maybe an experience you've had where you're like, wow, like this is not just bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's something that really drew me to Auburn. Is like being out of state and from Tennessee, um, I was really expecting to go to, to UT Knoxville and uh, was, was pretty much set on going there until I visited Auburn for the first time in January of my senior year. And um, that was something that really jumped out at me. And as I went through college, like that was something that never left me. Um, and so, I mean, I think that just the, the times uh, since I've graduated that I've been with people from Auburn like this past weekend I was at a wedding in Atlanta and there was a bunch of Auburn people and it was just like it just I mean wherever you are you can be in Atlanta you can be in Charlotte you can be wherever and like you get up you get with some Auburn people and it just feels like home kind of thing like there's just that level of comfort and level of just like feeling um where you should be kind of thing and that's something that just makes Auburn so special and so it's like I mean, it's it's amplified even more when you actually go back to Auburn and with you're with all your friends again. I mean, me and Brandon and Beach uh, were back there a couple and Bark were back there a couple weeks ago, and 
uh, we saw Roby and Trace and stuff, and it was just like, dang, like it, 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 it's just such a special place. Um, Auburn is, and I'm a little um, bummed out that you left out the fact that I ran into you there, but that's okay. Yeah, we, 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 um, yeah, I, it, but it's just, it's such a, such a special place, man. Like, I absolutely love Auburn, and it, it's a treasure for sure. I, I couldn't agree more with you, man. All right, you a barbecue guy? Yeah, I like barbecue. All right, where's the best barbecue spot in Auburn? This is the most important question on the whole damn show. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, I think you got to go with Moe's, right? Uh, like, that's my answer. Yeah, like Moe's is great. And it's like Moe's is just so diverse. It's like you can go get barbecue, and then their barbecue is really, really good. Uh, but, like, their wings are also, like, money. Like, I love their wings and stuff. And then mac and cheese is great. Like, I mean, Moe's for barbecue is great, and then it's also just super diverse. And a five dollar pitcher of Budweiser, man. I mean, you can't beat yeah. it. Yeah, come on now, man. God, I missed that place. <laughs> J Mac, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It has been so good to catch up with you. Let's make sure we get up with each other next time. We're both in Auburn, seriously. Um, yeah. And would love to hang up. Go get a five dollar pitcher of beer. Who says no? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always down for that. Always super, down for that. Super down. Run back karaoke. Uh, yes. Yes. 100%. Bring back karaoke at Sky Bar. Um, a ton of fun talking with you, J Mac. Thanks for joining us. Friend of the program now, officially. Yeah. Always, always a friend of ours, now a friend of the program. There we go. Um, so we're, we're scheming to see if we can get you and Brooks on at the same time, maybe talk a little spring ball at the end of the, this whole, whole deal. So, That'd be really fun. And uh, we, we appreciate the hell out of you, man. Thank you so much. Hope everything's going well for you. We will see you soon. Dylan, we'll send ourselves back to, I guess, our little outro shtick and do our little dancey dance. I'll let you go ahead and cut it here. Big thank you to Jackson McFadden for coming on the show, man. What a great interview. Yeah, give it up for J-Mac, J- man. Oh, J-Mac. Great. Great guy, hell of a football player, ready for him to be a Tennessee Titan. You know, give him give him a shot, give him a call. Uh, Tennessee, Nashville needs him back home. But, uh, yeah, friend of the program now, Dylan. And, and, man, I'm having so much fun with this interview series. And I got no plans on making it stop, if it's okay with you. I mean, uh, Auburn athletes are infinite, really. That's uh, true. Who wants to come in new, and leave, and they're always available for interviews. And, I mean, I think we're – I think we're kind of fun to have an interview with. We're not we're not too serious here. We're pretty chill. We're pretty chill around here. Yeah. Had, a, had a ton of fun talking to J-Mac this week. We've got Sundays just going to be the boys, just going to be the lads. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. Should be It'll be a shorter episode, though, because it's just the lads. Uh, and then Tuesday of next week should be Zach Blackerby. That could get flexed to later in the week, depending on Bree Ellis and what her schedule looks like. I know she wants to come back on and talk some softball and talk about Auburn's recent dominance. Uh, she's been on a tear since she came on the college loop. So I don't know. Either that's a jinx to, to break the streak or it just makes you superhuman. I'm not sure which one yet. The great Bambrino. That's right. That's right. Having a ton of fun with that. I'm going to go ahead and start this since Daniel's not here, and then I'll let you get us out of here. I know that uh, we're, we are cleared for takeoff, Dylan. So let's uh, – uh, we're already through TSA. We're cleared for takeoff. <laughs> and uh, I'll, uh, I'll let us go ahead and get out of here. I'm Harrison Tarr at by Harrison Tarr on Twitter. If you want to check out my written work, you can check me out at the Auburn Daily. That's theauburndaily.com. There's no gimmicks. Very easy to find. Also, more of my podcasting work is on the Auburn Daily Show. That's every Wednesday and Friday, Wednesday, with the dangerous Dylan Locke right here with me like I – Always am on the college loop. And then on Fridays is with the lovely, legendary Lindsey Crosby. Let my alliteration here. Lindsey Crosby. You can find out all of that anywhere that you can find all of my socials. Like I said, at by Harrison Tar, anywhere you want to find me. Dylan, tell all the folks where you can find us. And I know you've got your little bit that you're going to execute. So I'll let you go ahead and do it. <laughs> well, make sure to follow Daniel Locke at Daniel J. Locke on Twitter. Follow him wherever. And Dangerous watch Dan. all of his articles that come out weekly. Also, 
You can also follow me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday with Lance Daw and Wednesday with Harrison Tarr. Catch our last episode where we talked about Auburn's chances of March Madness. And, of course, follow the College Loop literally everywhere. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music on the way, Google Podcasts on the way. All that jazz. But guess what? We're not on MySpace yet. That's so sad. <laughs> I was waiting on it. <laughs> but with that, this has been the College Loop Podcast.